podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello there and welcome to another episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Yes, you're hearing a weird voice, it's me, it's Alan Lucas, also known as the Scottish Big Dog, hosting today. And today I have a panel who are supposed to be the Mount, Rush, the Mount Rushmore of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I think they're honest, they're more like rejects. But here we go, we'll go with what we've got. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> firstly I'm going to start with my man to my right here. He is... The man who goes by many names. Raja Major, Butcher Major, Bacon Thief to name a few. <coughs> he's also part of the second Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet wedding and he's kind of like that ugly cousin you're forced to give up space to and he photobombs the pictures and it turns up at the wrong times. He's also a legendary stand-up. Oh wait, sorry, I mean he's a legendary stood up with a record of zero <laughs> 29 successful dates. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But don't worry, he's oh, comforted every single night by one of his special Hawkney Hoggy delights. <laughs> he has the number three ranked heel of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. as David Hawkney. Well, at least I'm not like number two or anything. So, but. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a silver lining in that! <laughs> but, oh, that hit my heart, actually. <laughs> How you doing, mate? You alright? Yeah, I'm doing okay. It's alright, well, it's just gonna get worse. At least I'm not being stood up now. <laughs> Makes a change. <laughs> <laughs> Next, the man to Marlow right. He's came in at the last minute, so I really haven't got much for him, other than he claimed in a group chat that he is a master debater. What he gets up to in his own room is his business. <laughs> he is the bark gun, the bark gun of the McLeod household, but is there really a Billy? I don't think so. He is Scott McLeod. How are you doing, mate? I think I should have stood you up when you asked me to fill in at the last minute after that. <laughs> Well, you've kept the McLeod legacy going, you know. You turn up uninvited. <laughs> <laughs> you spread McLeodism, you know. And you spread faster than chlamydia an order. So there we go. Fire, 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 fire. I've got the again. Next. Here he is. Now what can be said about this man that's not already been said? He's the biggest heel in each sleep suplex retweet with six title wins. He is the leader of what will be soon to be known as Team Bride and what an intriguing bride he'll be. He may wear the pants of the podcast but we all know it's certainly not true at home. He's even been questioned if he's a master of the Stockholm Syndrome due to excessive punching power. <laughs> Many of have concerns because he's passed on to his new prodigy, Ross McLeod. <laughs> he also recently boasted in a group chat that he always comes first. <laughs> Spare a thought for his poor fiance. <laughs> uh, so no other than the future Mrs. Stephen Kerr. <laughs> How you doing, mate? I'm actually quite fine. I thought mine was less harsh than Hoppy's. Was <laughs> <laughs> the one that was banking on you? I did. Silver lightning. <laughs> I must be taking a few off the break. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> and finally, 
He claims to have our legendary cable package. I can guarantee you it's a name only. His recent spit roasting it didn't meet the demands. However, his spit roast did meet adequately. He's the man who has the simplest job in each sleep suplex retreat, but somehow cannot count to ten. <laughs> Hence why he's always the last man standing. That's until it comes to waiting in queues, where his true passion and skill of being a professional queue jumper come into play. By the way, anyone want to shake hands or take pictures with him, it's now a five or per go, as he's got his own, own IMDB page and he's now famous. <laughs> <laughs> and although he may dress like Stevie Wonder dressed him in the morning, he's still my brother. He is my main man, whose jaw just hit the deck, Quackoogee. I'll play the fifth. Well, after that, let's just move on <laughs> before Quaggy throws a punch at me or something. <laughs> For the back catalogue and all the episodes, please make sure to describe to us on all good podcasting sites, iTunes, Android sites, Spotify. I like Podbean personally because it works when you don't have any internet access. Really good. Also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Suplex Retweet. We've also got the YouTube channel. And also have a look at our website, suplexretweet.com. Yep, suplexretweet.com. I can't even speak today, that's how good I'm going. <laughs> and you'll see all the articles we've got and also me being the first ever champion on the website. Quite proud of that fact. <laughs> anyway, time to move on to the show. So as you may be aware, this show is about the Mount Rushmore, the most debated topic in wrestling. And today we're going to give it a wee bit of a twist. We're going to have a his and hers. We're going for female males. And we're going to start with the females. So basically I'm going to go around the panel just now. Ask everyone to say who is their female Mount Rushmore. Give brief explanations why. And then I'm going to let them loose to fight it out to the death. So I'm going to start with Scott because you're the closest to me. Thank you. Tell me your Mount Rushmore. Alright, I was expecting my first only cube. Finn finalised this this morning. But my female Mount Rushmore are Lita, Charlotte Flair, Austin Kong and Ronda Rousey. Okay, yeah. tell us why. Well, Lita, and I want to preface this by saying, I mean, no disrespect to China, because I almost had her in this spot. I think both of them like, were getting involved with the men around the Attitude Era at the same time as each other. I think China, for all, all due respect, a lot of her offence was mainly kicking guys in the balls a lot. She go back and watch her matches, she does it quite a bit. And she does, but Lita, for what she was willing to do, she was willing to get involved with the hardest. She took table shots, she got hit with chairs, she was coming in, hitting guys with her kind She was something so different, which I think is why so many people gravitated towards her at that time. Charlotte Flair, I don't think we need to say much more. We've said it before, mentioned it in the uh, the Four Horsemen NXT shows. I believe she's probably the best women's wrestler going today. She's like, countless people have had their best matches against her. Rhonda, I believe, had her best match against Charlotte, Sasha, Becky, Bailey, even Asuka, one of her best matches against her at WrestleMania 34, regardless of what you think of the outcome and her streak ending. Ronda Rousey, I think she played a big part in the women's revolution, not just in WWE, but outside as well, because there was a talk of like all these mainstream sports doing it before WWE, and she was one of them, when she was dominating the UFC, getting all this attention, and she was the highest paid female fighter in all of MMA. And we have Awesome Kong, who I think didn't get her just her due in WWE because I wanted to find someone who's doing work outside of WWE and her work in Japan and in TNA alongside Gil Kim who I almost had in this as well was just showing like they were well ahead of WWE and show how far behind WWE was before they gave their woman an opportunity. Excellent, it's just hard to argue against that. David, go for you. I, I, I agree with uh, Charlotte Flair actually because I think she's the best 
pure pure athlete that they've got in WWE and you know ever since sort of she arrived in NXT she's just carried herself as literally of the highest order and I think David Campbell said it best she's like the final boss when she's playing the heel character she's the queen of WWE and she backs it up in the ring and obviously given her background obviously being a flair she's got that legacy behind her and I'm pretty sure she was the the cover star of I think it was like this one of those really high profile sort of sports magazines it was the first time they had like a female on the cover I think she was the first to do that and yeah I you can't really say anything wrong about Charlotte and the, the, the mm-hmm. progress she's made. Uh, the other one I have, uh, opposite Talita, I went with Trish Stratus. Because she, Trish is one of those people who I think, you know, she started out as one of those sort of Attitude Era style divas who were really... It was a time when women's wrestling wasn't taken seriously, but she was very popular, popular with the fans at the time and she sort of transitioned into not only one of the best in the ring, but also one of the best characters that they had to offer. So it's the fact that you've got somebody who made that transition from one phase to another. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show that it doesn't matter where you start from, you can work your way up to become one of the most recognisable names names of all. Uh, my third one, going back to sort of, uh, sort of 70s, 80s, Mae Young. Now, there was a bit of a debate between her and like, Fabulous Mula, but I think the with Mae Young, you know, even when she was like in her sort of pensioner years shall we say <laughs> like she was still like an entertaining like aspect of WWE mm-hmm. TV whether it's taking a spot from the, the Dudley boys or uh, she's um, giving birth to Hans you know it's uh, you know despite all that I think she was recognised as one of the most talented women obviously and she's got the May Young Classic named after her as that well that Hans nearly legally old enough to drink in the US <laughs> <laughs> and my final one is China because the ninth wonder of the world. I think she basically was the the person who really started showing that it doesn't matter if you're male or female, you can you know get in the ring with like anybody. It doesn't have to be male v male or female v female. She could just do everything, and she had such an athletic build about her. She could carry herself in such a way that you know you know she's the one that's sort of the commanding presence. Doesn't matter regardless of gender. And her stint with like Degeneration X and as obviously women's champion, intercontinental champion, she has had a decorated career as of late. And the fact that she's been in, finally inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I think that's just a cherry on top for her. Again, not a strong argument. Can't argue. Stephen, what about yourself? Well, I've got a lot of the ones that the guys have mentioned, but I'll just kind of mention them again. Obviously, we've talked about China. I feel with China, uh, even though she didn't really represent the women's division by competing in it, what she did was showing that you, you can compete against the men and you can stand toe-to-toe and even be just as good as them. I think it's a great representation of how women's wrestling can be represented in the whole mainstream of it. So that's what China brought to it. She's a, Compared to many other people in the 90s, she was a mainstream main event level star, which is a great credit to what she was able to do. Uh, I also went with Trish Stratus. The thing I thought about is great about Trish is when you look at how, as a role model, the way when Trish came in, she was had no background at all in the industry. She came in, she was more seen more for her looks in that first year, as we seen with some of the angles she had with the likes of the McVince mm-hmm. and Stephanie McMahon. But she just showed what credit is if you graft, if you train, if you put in the effort. And she arguably for for the next 
maybe about four or five years afterwards or something like that, the time scales like that, she showed that they weren't just eye candy, they could go, they could be easily represented, I think she's a great role model to women, that's what I think is the best thing about her, I mean, that's what you kind of want up there, you want somebody you can look, look to and be inspired by, I think Trish is a great example yeah. of that one as well. Uh, like the, both the guys, I went with Charlotte Flair as well, which if people who listen to this show might be surprised I went with Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my main argument for Charlotte over potential likes of Becky is, as uh, it's been mentioned in the show, Becky's had a hot year, but for the three years before that, she didn't quite do as much. Same with Sasha, same with Bailey, but as David and Scott both said, Charlotte has put on great match after great match after great match with everybody it's hard a lot of people actually said that it was Charlotte's work in the ring that helped elevate Becky mm-hmm. to that extra extent same with Sasha and hopefully we see the same with Bailey in the coming weeks when they feud going into Clash of Champions mm-hmm. uh, as a heel no she is top top heel top top face work maybe not so much as good but heel work she's great and I think she's going to go on to be, have an absolute stellar career my fourth, my fourth and final one is actually one that's maybe a wee bit left field. I went for uh, Sarah Amato, also known as Sarah Del Rey. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought like her work pre WWE when she was in Ring of Honor, Shikara, uh, her ability to like with China go toe to toe with the men. She was one of the standouts on the in- mm-hmm. indie scene. She was ranked as a top ten in the world for both male and female at one particular point about a decade ago. We showed how good she was in the ring. Yep. But not just that. In the last five six years when she's been in NXT she was the she's the coach down there she's second in command with Max Bloom Al, Matt Bloom Albert she's the one who's helping to bring up this generation what we've got with the horsewoman Alexa Bliss even the likes of Nikki Cross the Iconics she's the one down there she's the one doing the training and she's helped breed this what's known as the women's revolution women's evolution and I think she does not get the credit she that she should probably deserve because she's more in the background but she also does a lot of work as well in the May Young Classic and that type of stuff as well we've seen her at the trophy presentations for that as well so I think she's a great life field show hard to argue against that uh, Quack we're going to come to you last mm-hmm. who's your picks ok so uh, a few of them have all been said before already so uh, it's a shape where pretty much going to be a green <laughs> it's just like one caveat so first one I'll throw in is China now for me when I started watching wrestling China was already at the forefront um, she was on the cover of Smackdown, uh, the game. Mm-hmm. So, like, for people to say that, well, Beck is the first woman to be on the cover of a WWE game. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, and I just loved everything that was going about her at the time. So, she had, like, the Good Housekeeper match with Jeff Janet, which was just <laughs> less just doing, <laughs> and still remains, but now inspired the great two part series matches <laughs> at ICW, which everyone knows is my absolute favourite. Um, she was a former Intercontinental Champion, her work with Eddie Guerrero, mm-hmm. she worked with my favourite of all time, Chris Jericho, and just she was proper, proper trailblazer. I just loved that about her. Other person now, this one that you everyone knows I've had my ding dongs with David Campbell. <laughs> he likes Trish Stratus, whereas I preferred Lita. Um, and it's really like a personal thing I just like Team Extreme I love Team Extreme mm-hmm. Hardys and Lita were just my favourite tag team of all time um, but I've gone with the choice of putting Trish Stratus in instead and it's purely because in the context of what we're talking about I just think Trish has done a bit more in that sense to be in the hot end mm-hmm. in this 
Mount Rushmore, if you like. Well, I'm going to call it Mount Milton of Campsie because that's my local hill near my house. <laughs> um, so I just think in the context of this argument, Trisha's done a little bit more than mm-hmm. Nita. But if you ask me to pick any other person, such as I did in the Queen of the Ring show, I picked Lita. But just purely for this discussion, I would say more Trish. And then, to me, I think this person is the greatest women's wrestler of all time, and it's Charlotte Flair. Um, first name greatest, second name ever. That's, that's the end of it for me. Mm-hmm. Now, this one, no one's mentioned her, and I'm going to say Paige. Oh, and the reason I'm going to say Paige is because the wrestling that I love watching now is a lot on the NXT and now creeping into the main roster and stuff like that. And the thing is, though, as it is now, Paige deserves a lot of credit. I've said it before, the story about Ember Moon. Now, Ember Moon, um, in case people, listeners at home haven't heard it, Ember Moon was had a tryout with WWE and she got rejected first time around because they said she didn't have the diva look. Paige was actually in behind the scenes and changing some of the like the thoughts on like women um, at the performance center and stuff like that and she actually encouraged Ember to reapply again reapplied and look at where she is well I wouldn't say now but look where she was back then and it's just changed the ethos of that that's where I think the real revolution has been happening so that's why I'll throw Paige in there excellent I'll just quickly give you mine so my first pick was China for me, Trailblazer, 20 years ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. And also, my favourite moment of China ever is when she walked into the 1999 Royal Rumble and threw her boyfriend, Mark Kenny, right over the ropes. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, then Charlotte Flair, what else can you add on? It hasn't already said. She is the greatest. And she, I think it's going to take something special for anyone to ever top her. Mm-hmm. Um, Trish Status, again, everyone's kind of said it. She's moved women from the sex sales idea to. I can actually compete in the ring and I can do it toe-to-toe with the same quality as the men. Mm-hmm. And she really changed and I totally get what you're saying about the Lita thing. She did that wee bit more than Lita, but I'd say Lita was better at selling mm-hmm. moves than Trish. Um, my last one, you briefly mentioned her there, Gail Kim. Gail Kim is carried TNA. She's been in WWE. She's done it all. She's the first female Hall of Famer in TNA. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, I think she's also a very heavily underrated wrestler mm-hmm. as well. But for me, she deserves to be in the Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. So that's my pick. So the one thing I have noticed from every single one of us, we've all picked Charlotte Flair. So safe to say Charlotte's in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right, so. Charlotte's in. So, so some, not everyone's picked Trish. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone that's prepared to argue that Trish shouldn't go in? See, I think always the debate is uh, quite alluded to. It's the, it's the Trish leader uh-huh. yeah, aspect of it. That's the obvious thing. When you watch, it's the same as... When we do our interviews with the with the wrestlers, we always go Rock Ross and Trisha Leader. Yeah. You know, because it's like either one or the other. You yeah. know, it's like football, you know, you when you're rivalries, you know, you pick <laughs> one. So it just depends on what your taste was. Yeah. I think the thing with Trish, uh she had a more established run. Lita was in and out with injuries a lot of the time and she could have been great in that type of aspect yeah. as well. But I thought Lita was more athletic gifted when she came in. That's why Trish Trish's journey, I think, is what kinda gets her over on me. And she can still go. I wouldn't argue against anyone putting Trish in there, but part of the reason I didn't put her in mine is because, like you said, it's always that Trish Alita, and 
like oh, I said how Trish overcame the whole the idea of, like she was just brought in for her looks, but she overcame them, showed that she was willing to put well down become a great wrestler. And Lita, while Lita's an attractive woman, she clearly didn't dress and look the way WWE probably wanted their female wrestlers to look at that time. So by that aspect, I think she had to work a little bit harder, and that's why she had some of the risks she took. And overall, because of those risks, that's why she was out so often. So then you can see it also in like Stacey Banks, she takes several very similar risks. That's that's why I think, I think a lot got her over though, is when she was with S.A. Rios originally, yeah. and she she would just come in and pull off a Hurricane Rana. And yeah. you're like, oh my god, this is amazing. You never got to see yeah. that at that point, other than China. Mm. Also, the fact is, no, I'll stand corrected. Was she not the first female wrestler to actually show tattoos? I don't remember a female wrestler ever showing tattoos before her. Probably. She probably mm. made, like, made her stand out a wee bit. It's not something I've thought about. No, well, maybe. Maybe noticeable tattoos as well, like, you know, the. Because also she had an arm now, sleeves Because she's got sleeves and stuff. Luna, yeah, but did Luna have tattoos? Oh, I think that's more of a makeup thing. She had in her face right, as more right, makeup. Right. It's, very, it's very possible, but I thought to be honest, it was you was her makeup. Yeah. So, so basically, are we all seeing Trish is in? Because this is making us to be very short. <laughs> <laughs> well, she she was in mine, so I'm not. I'm and she was in mine too, so I've got no arguments. I think, prob- I think you probably find them maybe agreeing two or three of them, and then it comes to the fourth mm-hmm. one. That's what it is. You see, you, you all make good points about Lita as well, but I think Trish just edge it mainly because of transitioning. You guys uh, also said, you know, she was Lita was in and out with you injuries. Look, you look at yeah. Tr- you look at the comparison between the two of them when they've came back in the last year. Trish yeah. looks far more accomplished in the ring. She had that great match with Charlotte at SummerSlam, yeah. but we've missed a couple of times we've seen Lita. Yeah. She looks a bit, you know, the pace is off the pace a wee bit. But one thing you give credit to Lita was uh, how she reinvented herself as a heel. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, I don't think Trish was always the best when she did her when she turned face. She was still popular, but I think her best work was a heel. Whereas Lita, because she was over with all the risks she took, uh, she was able to turn that real life hatred some fans had for her because she cheated on Matt Hardy and turn it into a great heel character. And I have nothing against Trish being included. I'm just trying to argue another like mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. side of the argument for why Lita may should be included as well. Mm-hmm. I'm I fine with Trish going in as well. But I do think you would have one or the other. I don't think you'd have both. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, we're going to put Trash in, so we've already a strong start with Charlotte and Trash. For for me, the next fight is really going by what we've all said. It's either Lita or Charlotte, not Lita or China, sorry. And so you just said you can't have them both. No, the, 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 do you think both of them could be in it, or do you think you have to go China over this? Uh, well, I had China as my pick. I've kind of a similar idea on the, the men's side with the Rock Austin debate. I would only have one or the other. Uh, but oh really? <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> to that. But uh, you wouldn't really argue against the other two of them being in. It just kind of depends on your on your outlook of it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, to many, as I said earlier on, China was not considered a diva at that point in time. Mm-hmm. She was a wrestler. She fought with the men. You always ever seen her with them. But some of the things she did, I mean, as was as. We alluded to maybe the move set maybe a repertoire wasn't the best, no. but it was the presence of. It. I remember when she debuted, where uh, she was in the crowd and she took uh, Terry Reynolds when she was uh, Goldust's valet, and she just kind of grabbed her, and you're just like, oh my god, look at her! She was a she was a bodyguard yeah. for Triple H. She had bigger arms and half the roster as well. I know, but mm-hmm. massive, massive big but arms. She's really well built. Yeah, she yeah. showed them about 
99 that she could be diverse. I agree completely with Kwaku. Good housekeeping with Jeff Jarrett is one I'm out. See, see if I'm having a bad day, I'll look for that in the network. And you try and find it. It's absolutely brilliant. It's when, it's when they start, it's the random bit where they're just uh, Jarrett and Miss Kitty are just making a cake. It's also rare that it ends, it's ruled out because an intercontinental belt is not a household item. And it's like, uh, like have a, you been to some people's homes? You're like, it's about Jarrett's household. And Miss Kitty leaves with him. <laughs> Miss Kitty, where's she go? So, David, you just went awfully quiet. What were you thinking in this point? See, again, Ch- China was one of my picks, and it's really hard to argue her not being in there as well. But even though her tenure was a bit shorter than some of the other women's, the, the impact that she made, you know, mm-hmm. you can't. You can't argue against it. Like considering that this was a time where obviously the women were mostly seen as eye candy in the attitude era, you had this one dominant performer who legitimately looked like a badass and she could like take on anybody, yeah. doesn't matter how big they were. Best example of that is that the Armageddon nineteen ninety nine where she's facing Jericho for the Intercontinental title and the women's title is being decided in a in a pool match. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just yeah. like yeah. And just to sort it's of shocking cheese aspect. Yeah, I mean Looking at sort of Lita's aspect, and obviously she had the occasional sort of inter intergender match, and she did spots with the guys. But when you think about China, she actually had straight one-on-one matches with the male superstars, kind of like what Kaylee Ray has been doing in ICW. I mean, you yeah. can't not pay attention to that because it's it's something that's often frowned upon in a lot of promotions, or maybe a handful of promotions at least. So. The fact that you're that she was breaking down those kind of boundaries that at that point in time, I mean, again, you know, I think you said it best. She was twenty years ahead of the game, yeah. So, and you can't ignore that. Yeah, because the debate about intergender wrestling, I think, still goes on today. We had our current Universal Champion calling it unrealistic, but China was really ahead of her time with all intergender wrestling thing. Although the issue with her is she wasn't the smoothest in the ring. It really depended on who she was in the ring with. I think, and also when you look at her, when she actually stepped in with other women, when she had her brief run as women's champion, like it wasn't really the best because like we couldn't, we couldn't really buy many women in that division at that time as a clear threat to change. She even came in an interview two years before that, saying like, "How is it going to be any believable that it wouldn't take me more than two seconds to get the title when I'm in there with guys almost every night?" Mm-hmm. She squashed that every time, yeah. so yeah, she did. And also, you know. No, so not no time to get away from the sex sales, but she could actually do the sex sales part as well. She could yeah. actually very feminine and actually you no know, match some of the female wrestlers that that era as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I picked her as well. I thought she yeah. had the complete package. I thought she was mm-hmm. brilliant. There's one thing I have seen a lot in the research into this show. So a lot of people don't think she deserves to be in it because of what happened after wrestling with the adult career. <laughs> Now, if you're going to start, oh, now, I personally think it makes no difference because I think of her as the wrestler, the, the attitude era. She was, see, when you think the attitude era, she's one of the fun, first three people I think of. So I think Rock, Austin, then China. Mm. That's me personally. I don't know if everyone's the same, but does that, think, does that sort of come across in anyone's mind that maybe she's not worthy of the hope of being under Mount Rushmore because of. That dad all movies and things like afterwards. Depends on how you look. At, depends on depends on how you look at it. If you're looking mm. at the pure learning ring, then you can't look at it you, because with wrestling you could consider that. I thought you were talking about how you look at porn. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like what are you calling that? Like I said, but, Scott, what are you doing? Your never, your business. Never mind what happened after wrestling as well. She was uh, one of WWE's Playboy cover girls as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like she's I think like she had the second high selling. Yep. Should ever. It was only after that point, I was only able to beat her. Yep. So yeah. that, that speaks for me. Dominator beat her as well, sure. 
think it's at that point. Sable was number one, but Royal Rumble yeah. 99, and she was later on, and she was number two. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't take away the fact, you know, there's there's adult entertainment, and, you know, if that's what they want to get into, then that's, that's their decision. It's not like we can criticise them for it. And, you know, WWE's had a partnership with Playboy for for so long but it's only just stopped doing it when they switched to PG yes. so it's not like it's something they can't just sweep under the carpet it's a part of their history and I yeah. think as long as they acknowledge it then you, you, you can't just like sort of say oh no no we never ever do anything like that you know we're a we're a family friendly company we put smiles <laughs> on that. You, sound like, you sound like Sable in the attitude of that <laughs> we never use sex to enhance our products <laughs> like, I know it's very, they're very different yeah. But uh, I think The Rock, it's like saying you can't count The Rock in this because he went away and did films and he's mm-hmm. no longer wrestling anymore. It's like it's a completely different thing. It's more like what was their impact when they were involved in wrestling, their involvement, their impact on wrestling. I don't think her impact is any less because of what she did when she had got out. I totally agree. So are we all saying China's the third name? Yeah. China. yeah. Right, we've got China in. I'm free for free. So am I. So am I. Yep. Right, so this is where I want the gloves off. Page. What is fighting? Let's go, Paige. This is where we need to come up because everyone's very So I've got Gail Kim, we've got Paige, we've got Mae Young. Who else we got here? We've got Sarah Del Rey. So. And you said awesome call. And awesome call. Okay. Now I'm going to go over some of the names and some of the listeners and all people on social media picked up. Okay. So we have here Gladys Killam and the Black Faces Show. Oh, okay. <laughs> next, I'm going to cut me Steve. Becky Lynch. I can understand why people put Becky in for current impact, mm-hmm. but you've got to look. Well, I love Becky as much as the next guy. You know, don't get me wrong. I think one of my favourite matches. Not enough if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're one, not going to put her back. Unless, or, unless or, the next guy is don't hold back, Clarkin, or go to meet her at a meeting greeting class. Yeah, but <laughs> that, that thing's on that. Day. Uh, but <laughs> one of my favourite matches of the last five years was her versus Sasha at, <laughs> at NXT Takeover. But it's like. She's only had such a, sh- a, sh- yeah. a short period. It's hard. That's exactly the same reason why I disagree with Ronda Rousey. See, that's my point. I think Ronda Rousey should be nowhere near this discussion mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. a phenomenal year, and she, yes, she helped women get to the main event of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. But the amount of people I've seen in the social media talking about this, as if it was just her, no. Nah. Charlotte Flair had a part to play. So did Becky, and so did every other female on the roster. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just. Ronda. Well, the three. Some people. Some argument is, as you say, Ronda's the one that got them in the main event. The three of them play the partner. You could also actually apply that argument, and uh, don't hate me on this, Clarky. You could also apply that argument to Paige, I reckon, because obviously her tenure isn't as as long as some of the other ones. But and not, like from an in ring perspective, definitely not. But finally, we're starting to Yeah. Again, obviously, she's had issues with like neck issues, and but you're from, gonna have a neck issue soon. If you <laughs> she's kind of like. <laughs> She's kind of like the reverse of Becky, you know, she had a very impactful first few years when it came to like NXT and WWE, but she sort of just quietened down in the last sort of few years, she's more of a managerial role, she had her uh, stint of Smackdown GM. Yeah, excuse her when she's got a neck injury that she's only a managerial role. It's just that, I just don't think she like was as impactful as say some of the other names we've already discussed. But Kwaku's point is, with the NXT stuff, most, most people when they go women's evolution they start they all throw the names the, the, the horsewomen names out it was actually Paige and Emma yeah the they laid the ground where we said that in the horsewomen show thank yeah. you that's the point that was that was the actual argument I said they were the ones who came in I mean yeah yeah I get, I get that and it's if you look the thing with Paige is I mean I wouldn't have Paige in it but if you, you can understand the arguments I mean if you've, if you've 
to me watch the fight with my family yeah, yeah. Film, you kind of see the kind of journey that night family yeah, yeah nothing against that it's just that it's, uh, I'm totally you there Steve uh, as well as you David I love Paige and she is one of my all time favourite female wrestlers but she shouldn't have nowhere near to come if we were talking about this in 10 years and she didn't have an injury, she'd be other. She'd be, mm-hmm. she'd no be doubt. 100%. You would be arguing probably her charlotte is the greatest ever, I think. Mm. If she never had a neck injury. Because mm-hmm. she was that good. Yeah. So you would be saying? Uh, I'm very respectful for some of the guys' opinions, but Paul Hayden would say about things about choosing your hill to die on. I think Ron Rousey is the hill I'm choosing to die on right now. <laughs> because I will argue against the fact that it was likes of what she was doing and MMA and what other women were doing in sport at that time that was causing all this mainstream pressure on WWE to timely take their women's athletes seriously and the whole the hashtag give these a chance was starting and I think Ronda Rousey, while well, we shouldn't just put it down to her she played a big part in getting the women in the main of WrestleMania because that would have happened eventually and it was a big step in the women's evolution but I don't think it would happen as soon as it did if mm. Ronda wasn't employed by the company. And yeah. like Becky was in the right place at the right time, and obviously she got injured before she had her match. Because I think it would have been originally Charlotte versus Ronda, because Charlotte would have been a great person for Ronda to go up against. She's a great villain to go up against. But like Ronda played a good part in getting women in that main event spot. Okay, well, counter that, you're talking about mainstream. You're not even about Western mainstream, what about Eastern mainstream? What about you're talking about Asuka? Asuka has done more in WWE than Ronda. Yeah, and you look at um, in terms of Asuka's a great wrestler, and she was she was a star in Japan, but she was not the star in Japan. You know, I mean, the one that's currently in NXT, the new who is many people see the star. A lot, a lot of people said as Io Shirai. Mm-hmm. Io Shirai was is the is the absolute. You talk about uh, Satamura as well. Yeah, she's the one that's been about for twenty odd years. You know, mm-hmm. so. I mean, if you're gonna pick a, if you're gonna pick somebody from the east, they'd be I'd pick me two over Asuka. I've seen as good as Asuka. as well as mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Also, Miko Satomura. Yeah, she's as well. Um, so I don't, I don't know too much about you know the Japanese wrestling scene. I don't have, I don't have access to you know the New Japan stuff. But when then they use have them and over maybe some of the WWE females or even the TNA females. I would argue you Shirai probably, yeah, because she's you know she's continuing to make an impact not just in Japan but also it's, like in NXT as well it's more you'd exposure to it you know I mean yeah the Aja, of, you can't, uh, ones like Aja Kong as well yeah, who are yeah. in um, AEW now as well you may find when the exposure to these people grows you know I mean Satomura I didn't really know much about before the May Young Classic but when you watch some of her stuff back it's absolutely great it's just that lack of mainstream attention yeah. particularly in western cultures which we yeah. we're so accustomed to I think that's kind of what's let them down a bit well, you'll sure rise new gimmicks should definitely go to cast this wall of fame. It's just a face, Bob. <laughs> I mean, well, well, sorry, I think Japanese and Japan, I think women's wrestling seen a lot differently. Like, I think they were ahead of having like all female promotions long before I think more Western countries did. Mm-hmm. And that we've seen places now like in the US and here in Glasgow with fierce females. I think obviously when you're looking at the, the wrestling here and women's wrestling in Japan, it's very different because of how mm-hmm. they treat women because there are plenty of like women that are treated as main stars, like you said, like the Vaja Kong. And like me with Samura. Okay. Well, if you're going to talk about sort of like mainstream and people have, uh, have been involved in, around the world, well, here's one more about Victoria. Victoria's Ooh. been all around the world. She's been notoriously known for putting people over and helping the other younger ones develop. That was one name that was mentioned by a listener. It's Lots. Good. It's a good shout. She kind of, I think she was one of the examples that came in the wrong era. 
I don't think she was in the right either. Yeah, she was ahead of her time, just like China was, yeah. Yeah, I think she's a great one, but she's more suffered from the point of time she was in. Mm-hmm. She was in that kind of spell where, other than Trish and Leah, you would know the names when they come up, but how many of them would you say are all-time greats, yeah. you know? Because like for me, her and Gail Kim carried the knockouts division in TNA at that time to take on the likes of Trish and Lita in WWE, but the problem was TNA didn't have the exposure that WWE had, mm. and that potentially could lead to a downfall. Yeah, I think maybe. I think she's a, a good shout because she came in, she, she was not afraid to try new things, she came in, she had a different style gimmick where she was this weird like stalker of Trish Stratus almost, and they had that hardcore match her and Trish at Sarvaris U. She was willing, her and Molly Hall were willing to have a hair v hair match just to get women and the women's title on WrestleMania. And like you said, like she picked up kind of from where like lots of Austin Kong Kim left off when she went to Impact, and like she was looking kind of the antithesis to the likes of the beautiful people. Yeah. So yeah, I think she's in my shout. She was actually very close to being on my on my Mount Rushmore. But I think I had her as like an honorable mention. Mm. Right. So. We're kind of mentioning a lot of people, but nobody's fighting for the last pack, so come on, who? Paige. So, uh, back is right, uh, back is Yeah, but Sarah yeah. Delray, some of the stuff she did, what she's done to help bring that division forward, you know, and she's an she's a, she's a unsung hero, I think. Mm-hmm. You need something. The actual Mount Rushmore's got one president who I can't remember the name of. <laughs> Roosevelt? <laughs> Jefferson? Roosevelt, I can't remember. Oh, okay, I mean, he's been to America for a month and he knows all the reasons. We're not wanting to be that. We want everyone to know our Mount Rushmore. This is going to be the official Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Uh, Just for the listeners at home, the other is Washington and Lincoln. I know Washington and Lincoln are the two ones, but we're not talking about history, we're talking about wrestling. (laughs) Also, I agree, but quite a lot of people probably aren't as aware. Well, that's the thing. That's maybe why if I had to go with any of the ones other than myself, I'd be swayed towards uh, David's of May Young, just purely because of um, yeah that type of generation to generation type aspect. I, I'm sorry, I can't I can't really differ amongst the sort of crop of talent in this generation. I think you kind of have to go back to one of the originators, and yeah. that's why I chose May Young. And she's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like she's a great character too. Yeah. Yeah. She came back. She was great. WrestleMania 20 when it was her and Moolah with. The brain and Gene Oakland. Uh, yeah. uh, there was WrestleMania 27, where she just showed up behind the rock. <laughs> <laughs> and there was the, I think, Raw Old School, where she Raw basically 1000. just called out Lake Cool. Yeah. And there was Raw 1000, where she brought her son. I know I was thinking heavily for Ronda, but I think if I had to like, choose anybody else, yeah, I think I, I might basically take you with Dave and a bit me on, because we talk about and the attitude there and legs when China and Trish and Lee are all coming up and how women's wrestling teams usually we just try and go back a few decades to when Mae Young is coming up mm-hmm. it's probably going to be twice as difficult for her to be taken seriously when she was at her peak mm-hmm. and the fact that she came back in her older years and wasn't afraid to like she had that skip work which was apparently described as how she actually would be that day when she was smoking cigars drinking beers with the acolytes backstage she, got, she took a table she did a table she got beat up and put in figure fours by Jeff Jarrett she, I think she could have an RKO at one point for yep. the owner was that move was that Miller? There's, there's no doubt she's a badass, but you're saying obviously about her time, but is that not maybe slightly disrespectful to the likes of like Gail Kim, who's been one of the best technical wrestlers Shoot. probably in the last 20 years? Gail, Kim, been... Gail Kim's a good one for the example of uh, what she did for TNA, mm-hmm. but she never really got, even though she did great for TNA and she got that division up, she didn't really get, if she'd got TNA to the same level, it may be mm-hmm. more of an argument, but TNA was mm-hmm. always still, it's the same argument if you're not going for my pick <laughs> <laughs> I could go with this because 
the stuff that Sarah Amato did on the independence scene and the likes mm-hmm. of Ring of Honor and Shakara didn't get the same eyes on it as Gail Kim did, but... Mm-hmm. What are you thinking then? Uh, no, I've got to go with the originator, May Young. Are we going right. May? We're going for the decision time, okay? So, Kwaku, who are you going to go for? Well, if it's down to them, then it's May Young. You stand your ground if you want, you stick with Paige, you stick with Paige. No, I'm sticking with Paige. Right. I'm going with May. You're going with May? May Young. Yeah, I'm going with May Young. I was going to go stick with Gail, so it looks like you and I die in the hell we stand on. Oh, okay. So it looks like Mae Young is the last one to well, take her. Well, Mae Young Scotty doesn't know, so that's <laughs> <laughs> Well, there we go. We have our Mount Rushmore of female wrestlers. Charlotte Flair, Trish Stratus, China, and Mae Young. Kind of hard to argue really against them. I mean... It's a strong lineup. I mean, I mean, it's solid, I mean, yeah. some, I mean some of us tried, like Quackers for Page, <laughs> but we tried, but we tried. Quackers for Page, just Page, just It's kind of like almost a generational timeline as well, because obviously the May Young started off, then you had the Attitude Era with China, then you had Ruthless Aggression with Trisha or Peak, and mm-hmm. nowadays you've got Charlotte Flair. Absolutely. It like, tells a perfect timeline almost. All right, let's just put a, a stunning question in. So anyone that is active now, except for Charlotte Flair, they could replace anyone in them? Becky Lynch. Io Shirai. Tessa Blanchard. Oh, that's exactly who I was going to say. I'm going to go with Tessa. I think Tessa's the one. And I think if you were going to take anyone in them out, I think you're talking maybe Trish should be the weak one. Mm, maybe. Trish to me would be the weak one. I would say WrestleMania main event, Trish, um, I mean Charlotte versus Tessa for the spot on the Mount Rushmore. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I think Charlotte's the safest one in the Mount Rushmore. Well, no, no, you don't think it's okay then. Maybe, I think she's second safest. I think Mae Young would be the, the right, safest so, one. So who's the weakest then? Who's the Trish. Weakest? It would be Trish. Josie, what were you? Maybe China. I maybe think China, China might be China. the weakest. No, I think China's got a bit of an edge on Trish. Right, so what are you saying, Kaku? I'll say more China, probably. China? I'll go with China's the weakest. Trish. I think China just... Oh, Trish. I think Trish. I've been at saying China's the weak link of the Mount Rushmore and is the only one potentially could be replaced by Tessa Blanchard. There we go, you've heard it here first. We'll come back in 10 years, here we go on with that. <laughs> well, we're just going to go into a break now. So, have a listen to our break here, which is Jim Carnett talking to JR about who would be his Mount Rushmore. We'll see you after the break. Hey guys, more than hype here, LJ Cleary, Darren Kearney, Nathan Murr, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet! Hey, if you were a curator or someone that had a lot more money than brain said, hey, I got this mountain here and I want to put the Mount Rushmore of wrestling managers on it, who would who be your five? Oh, God. Well, no, there's only four, JR. Oh, they had American history down in Oklahoma, oh, didn't they now? Well, but actually, well, when you think about Bobby Heenan, yeah. hey, boy, you know, see, then you talk about the eras and the different impact. On a Mount Rushmore, do you put a Bobby Davis or a Wild Red Berry on there simply because they were really the first at what they did? Mm-hmm. Then do you go, uh, you know, to the, uh, to the north or the south because there were great uh, northern managers like... Uh, Freddie Blassie, obviously, who'd be on Mount Rushmore for wrestling anyway already, and then the the Wizard and Albano, or do you go down south and you look at Sir Oliver Humperdinck and Gary Hart, and uh, uh, then of course the, you know the old Southern guys like Dr. Ken Ramey mm-hmm. and Sir Steve Clements and George Two Ton Harris. 
Bunk Harris, and then in modern day, Paul Ellering. And did I mention JJ? And of course, me and Happy Heyman. Mm. And who have I, Jimmy Hart, my guy. So it, the eras or the style or the whatever, I always say Bobby Heenan is the best manager of all time. JJ and I agree on that. And the rest of us are, are glad to all be in the running and be, you know, talked about. And I've left a ton of people out there. But how, how, do, you, how do you figure it past Bobby's the best? No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, I, I even went this far one time in a Q&A. I said uh, we were talking about the greatest performers ever and uh you know who's the greatest who's the greatest in-ring performer you know so you're either expected to say flair or sean uh, as a rule there are, there are other guys don't get me wrong there are a lot of a lot of guys that are really really good so then they would ask me about but who's the greatest performer and i said well to me one guy that comes to mind as the greatest performer in the history of the business is bobby heenan because if bobby heenan were wrestling today he'd be a star because he was a he was a lot yes. lot better wrestler than most of the guys that are that are being featured nowadays. Yeah, that, that's true. He he didn't have the body, but he was he was actually a, a better worker than most of the guys that he managed, except oh. for Stevens and Bachwinkle. Yeah. So so a he was a much better at, than average wrestler. He took great bumps as a heel. You have to be able to feed the comeback of the baby face and fly around and, and get bounced around some. And God knows he could he could uh, take bumps and he could. Oh my God, Dad! Nobody's ever done the same kind since. And and he could and he he knew how much color to get and he knew what everything and how to beg and how to be a, a weasel and everything. Then he goes to become this manager we're talking about, as good as there ever was. And then he goes seamlessly right into the TV booth and on a high level becomes an outstanding television broadcaster in a talk environment and a live event environment. And there are two different skill sets for those as well. So if you look at all the, all the tools in the toolbox, Heenan is as good an all-around performer as the business has ever seen, in my opinion. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Hey guys, this is Brandy Rhodes, and you are listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. And a big thank you to the guys for more than hype there. You can listen to them on all our podcasting sites, iTunes, Android, and Spotify. Now we're on to the next part of the show, the men's Mount Rushmore. So this is where I expect a lot of heat here, a lot of fighting, because this is arguably the most debated topic in all of wrestling. So we're going to go around the panel again. This time I'm going to start with Quacku. Quacku, give me your picks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first off the bat, I'm going to go with The Rock. No, I'm going to say I did this for The Rock, except <laughs> I didn't get into my car and run him over. No, I'm sitting in a nicely heated studio. I'm going to a put very him, warm studio. A very warm studio. Heated studio. And I'm going to put his face on the mountain of Capsi, where it should be. So, yeah, The Rock, the great one, the people's champion, he should go up in there. Second on the list, for me, it is none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, for me... When I first started watching wrestling, it was just all a bit round to the rivalry, teaming together, just the charisma, how much energy they brought and they got me invested. I, as a wee tripper, used to have cans of coke and pretend I was like Stone Cold Steve Austin and drink like that. I'm a bit more dignified now that I don't do that anymore, but 
one day maybe I will do if it wasn't for the stupid sugar tax. <laughs> <laughs> then, that next pick. Now, for me, wrestling would it be the way it is as big as whatever and everything and it's got to be a big part it's got to be put down to Vince McMahon as controversial as he may be now in the way take you've got to admit how big wrestling is on TV worldwide and everything a big part of that is Vince McMahon yeah he's a bit mad he's a bit mental but be honest with yourself if there wasn't Vince in his efforts would you be as invested in the likes of WWE and it's created a knocking effect for other things let's be honest now the fourth one and this is where I think you guys may start to because when I said this to somebody they raised their eyebrows Mr. Oh, she had a neck injury. She can't go in the uh, Rushmore. And it is Rey Mysterio. Now, at the time of wrestling, when he started, when he was very prominent and everything, at that time, a lot of, a lot of the wrestlers, you look at them, they're all big guys. They're all six foot four, six foot five plus, all like 300 pounds. Although they're not actually 300 pounds, but you know what I mean? They're huge and everything. And then out comes this little uh, action figure who is literally a superhero and so many people, in particular in Cruiserweights, have said they were inspired to get into wrestling because of Rey Mysterio and he's still going at it. He has gold to the back of his t-shirt and to me, you can't, you can't deny him in that one. He's um, been a World Heavyweight Champion and he's just captured the imaginations of so many and inspired so many and that's why I would put, I mean it'll be a bit odd having a guy in a mask on the face of a mountain but to me that's why I would put Ray Mysterio in there. Fair play, it's not kind of hard to argue against any of them to be honest. Mm-hmm. He also, he's also got mask written on his mask. <laughs> yeah, I mean... To remind him it's his mask. <laughs> What do you want him to have on it? A balaclava? <laughs> a hat, maybe? <laughs> and there's a topic of conversation about you never thought you'd hear today. <laughs> Stephen, yes. how are you? Uh, well, my first pick is... Do we need to listen to him? He's all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> my first pick is uh, going to be Bruno San Martino. Uh, if you kind of look at the, the how wrestling's evolved over the years, we talk about when we talked in the first half about May Young, Bruno had a similar impact mm-hmm. in the, in the, on the men's side of things. The man, when wrestling was not seen more as a carnal type sport, he sold out Madison Square Garden week after week. The way he drew fans in was unbelievable. You talk about the moment he lost the world, the world title, uh, when he got screwed off as Abisco, the heat in that building was unbelievable. It just shows how much he could draw in mm-hmm. an audience to it. But the other good thing about him is, he wasn't afraid as well to express his beliefs as well. You kind of think that one, but he he was positive about how wrestling shouldn't be vulgar and that type of stuff. You got to kind of respect kind of Sabatino and for his generation, I would kind of I was swayed over him over potentially other ones. Uh, my second pick, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. I went, woo! <laughs> I went with I went with Flair over Hogan <laughs> because I think. Well, Hogan, you know, at that time he was the actual megastar. What Flair had, he had charisma and abundance. He was able to reinvent himself so many times. The fact that he came back from pretty much a near-death plane crash to change into this technical style. But if you look in the 1980s, 
most great matches in wrestling in America it was Ric Flair you had Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat you had Ric Flair and Terry Funk you had Ric Flair and Sting he got a great feud out of Lex Luger he <laughs> led he led the four horsemen to up to honestly to peaks and then even when he went to WWE when people said his career had faded in the 90s and he was pretty much a, a parody of himself he was still able to become the same similar popularity and I think Ric Flair is just he's an absolute gem and I think that's why I pick him my third pick the dead man Undertaker uh, again you talk about somebody who's able to reinvent himself he was a he was an undertaker <laughs> that was his gift really? he, was, he was an undead guy working a funeral parlour but that debuted in 1990 and he's still wrestling today just unbelievable how he was able to just make that gimmick come alive and just change up and change it up pretty much year after year he would come back pretty much from an injury and be completely different Change, just the gimmick was changing he's just an absolute leader in that locker room and I don't think you could have this consideration without him and my final one like I said in the first half it was either Rock or Austin gotta go with Austin uh, for, for two reasons one massive Austin fan he was the guy that got me into wrestling and just what he did for the sport and for that company in a, in a period where the Monday Night Wars were happening he came in his popularity took the sport above and beyond where it is and probably would this it would be not as big now without him, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna go with Austin on that one. Strong arguments. See, see, knowing Stevie when he gets a contractor to construct a Mount Rushmore, he'll get someone from Bell's Hill who will get a really mediocre brief and they'll end up carving Jay Leaf instead of Rick Flair in there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought that's a guy, he sounded like that's who you wanted. To be fair, see if that happened, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. That's, that's the, that's the best. Space Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do the voices so good. I love the fact that Quack thinks we're getting a work out of Come on, they're okay, boys. <laughs> Dave, we'll come to you next. Yeah. Well, in an echo of what the guys have already said, I'm going to be repeating some names here, but my first name is The Undertaker. He's sort of the guy that I would consider like a lifer when it comes to the wrestling industry. You know, he, he debuted back in 1990, like before, like you know, things really started picking up with the Attitude Era and stuff, but he's one of those characters that has stood the test of time, not only for just, you know, obviously being his character, but the fact that he, he was a big guy, and he could do so many, he had a, such a good mix of moves, you know, he could sometimes even do dives outside the ring, and he's had that sort of captivating presence for so long, that he's often one of the first names people remember when they say, oh, to, if you were to say like to a non-wrestling fan, I think he would be one of if not maybe a handful of first names that people would come up with and the fact he's dedicated all that loyalty as well to WWE he's been with them since the sort of end of the golden era and every time he comes back he generates such a big crowd reaction that even after all this time people still love him for being the Undertaker so and it's just having that connection with the fans over such a long period and the fact that he's been so loyal to the WWE and his character is has just stood the test of time. I've got to put Undertaker up there, like, n- n- without a shadow of a doubt. Okay. Second one, I'm also going to go with Ric Flair. Like, woo! <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh, just to sort of echo what, like, Stevie said as well, like, probably one of the most charismatic guys you'll get, like, from, like, maybe sort of the 80s and stuff, like, 
cross promotion through WCW to WWE and NWA. He's just one of those guys, like, even his catchphrases still carry on to this day. Like, see what we're doing right now. As soon as we mention his name, we can't help but woo. That's how much of uh, an impact he's had on us Wait, as fans. He's either wooing or you elbow drop your jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, anybody, like, anytime somebody does a chop in the ring, people woo. Anytime somebody does a figure four, they woo. That's how synonymous he's become with those moves. And his catchphrase, you know, I mean, it's woo. It's one word and it's, everybody loves it. So, yeah, Ric Flair, I think that's a no-brainer as well. My third one, already been mentioned as well, The Rock. Because The Rock has become such a cultural icon, not just in the wrestling industry, but also in the world of movies. You know, he's arguably the hardest working man in Hollywood right now. He's an actor, director, producer. But when we sort of talk about his time in WWE, he sort of started off as a bit of a bit of a, a whippersnapper, a bit of an up-and-cover with his, uh, like Rocky, Rocky Johnson. <laughs> and but then the fact that he was able to turn around the sort of die Rocky die chance into The Rock to become like the most the biggest heel in the company associated with Vince McMahon and it's the way he carried himself in the ring he looks like a superstar he looks like the guy that everybody wants to be but also the guy that everybody everybody wants to beat as well because he's such an arrogant sort of character but he backed it up in the ring you know maybe he's but it was purely just down to his promos and how he delivered his character. Mm. And, you know, it's like some of the other guys as well, like people would like imitate his promos, imitate his actions, you know, the eyebrow raising. And yeah, I mean, it's just one of those guys like who still has transitioned from his wrestling role into the acting sort of role. Mm. And yeah, so he's, he's on there as well. And finally, Stone Cold Steve Austin, because you know, like with Quack who said he was talking about, you know, smashing the Coke cans together. I once did the exact same thing when I was like, when I started watching wrestling as well, and I was watching old clips of that. But Stone Cold Steve Austin was kind of like a sort of man of the people type gimmick. You know, everybody wanted to be the guy who just wanted to beat up their boss uh, in any circumstances. And he would go so wild and so reckless with his antics, like the beer truck, driving the ATVs and just beating up Vince McMahon whenever he felt like it. That's the kind of guy, that rebellious attitude that we all wish we could have and just not, well, not directly feel the, the ramifications of it. He's the guy that everybody wanted to be and they just wanted to be, be like him. Again, another strong case there. Can't Scott? Well, if Wilson is to be correct and we can only choose Rock or Austin, I'm choosing the most electrifying man in sports and entertainment. Is this under duress? Even when, twice, twice, Even when your brother's not in the country. I know. For Austin's favourite is The Rock and I got into wrestling because Ross was watching it, so you know. Oh, so you're by association then. Yeah. Well, anyway, The Rock, few people have achieved as much success outside of wrestling than The Rock because we talked about like people, we have people have some people have mixed success when they leave wrestling. Sometimes they go into good things outside of wrestling. Sometimes they fall on hard times. But The Rock, like we talked about, the likes of Hogan and all that, they went, they tried to act in outside wrestling. Hogan's films were rubbish. To put it nicely, The Rock is the highest paid movie star of all time. He's he's a guy that he gets properly brought into franchises to help save them because that's how talented he is as a leading man. And as a wrestler, he was quite selfless as a wrestler. He was willing to put people over while Austin in late 99, despite injuries, is still put, being put in the main event. Rock is willing to come down to the undercard and fight likes of Bulldog and Billy Gunn. He's willing to do comedy segments with Mankind as part of the Rock and Sock. 
And when you look to look at the Rock Rock, only won just a little more, bit more than half of his matches. He actually lost more often than he won, almost. And also at the Rock, he's, he's changed from here to face quite a few times. I know he slightly likes a big show for constantly changing. But every time the Rock moved from one to the other, it always had a reason, always made sense. Either it was a storyline reason, or because the reaction record was either so negative or so positive that he had to switch to one or the other. Uh, second pick, he's already been mentioned, and wrestling is all about characters, and there's few characters that transcend wrestling throughout the years than The Undertaker. A man who had to kind of limit his, his, his moveset to fit that gimmick a lot, and we talk about how he's selling and telling stories through facial expressions. The Undertaker was, still, was able to tell so much by just having this deadpan, like, dead facial expression. And also, without The Undertaker, we don't have Kane, my favourite wrestler of all time, so you know, by extension. And my next picks have actually not been mentioned. And this first one, how can you mention him when you can't even see him? My next pick is John Cena, a man who's almost following in the footsteps of what The Rock is doing, a man who's been in the top and now he's going on to make movies. And whatever you think of John Cena, he's been a consummate company man, he's all about loyalty. John Cena has never really wavered, never tried to get out of his contract and try to negotiate, go somewhere else. He's always been the company guy, and wherever you feel about him, he's actually really underrated by some people as an actual wrestler. He's had more good matches than people would ever give him credit for. And also the fact that some people don't like him is actually played to his advantage. Look at his match with RVD in 2006 and his match with Punk. And mind the bank, those two matches wouldn't have been as good if the crowd wasn't so vehemently against Cena. And the sec- my final pick. He's not a boy toy, he's just a sexy boy. Mm. It's Shawn Michaels, a man who, I try to think of someone who's just who's a pure wrestler, but this man's a perfect blend of wrestling and a character. He's just, so, when he, was, he was such a good at playing that arrogant heel who has such phases out and he can back up in the ring. There's a reason why so, there's a generation of wrestlers that try to imitate Shawn Michaels and yet can't do it because he was so talented. A man who came back from a career ending back injury and also that ma- series of matches with The Undertaker at 25 and 26 are some people's favourite matches of all time. And these men, like you talk about some people being too old to wrestle, these two men were in their early 40s when they pull this up, showing that it doesn't matter, like skill doesn't matter how old you are, like it's, you either have it or you don't. Really good argument, see, I can't argue against that. Um, so for me, I'm going to start off with my all-time favourite, and for me, the greatest of them all, The Rock. Mm. Again, take what everyone said here. Most charismatic, although you know there was is a times where you know the fans were really against him. Even when he was a heel, face some art, he always had brilliant matches. And I always remember something Jim Ross said. And if I remember right, it was Capital Punishment 1998 or Capital Carnage, sorry, 1998. Pay per view in London, and The Rock was fighting in the main event. He was WWF champion, walking down the ring, and that's when Jim Ross said, "If you can, wrestling gods can create a wrestler for looks." style talking the lot that's him he is the quintessential wrestler he's the full package or as kind of quacky would say package <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah but as you see as everyone's said he's been on to Hollywood he's dominated Hollywood and you know it kind of speaks volumes when his first major film out with WWE Studios was The Rundown which in America it was called over here it was called Welcome to the Jungle and he's got a camera from Arnold Schwarzenegger who says have fun that's him passing the mantle on and he's taking it like the wrestling to a new level Austin took it so far I think The Rock took it further same in the movies Arnie took it so far now he's taking it further next one Stone Cold Steve Austin instead of the coke I used the Iron Brew I'm a <laughs> Scottish boy did it that way but yeah Austin Attitude Era he is for me the quintessential face of the Attitude Era he is the guy um, 
there's not really much more you can say that already hasn't been said. Now for my Mount Rushmore, they're the two absolutes every day of the week. The ones I've put forward, I put forward to the script today, they have changed but I'm going to stick with them. So why I put last night, I put this together, next was Hulk Hogan. Now I know Hulk Hogan in recent years has now been a very distasteful and he's been very questionable but back in his heyday in the late 80s and the 90s, take your vitamins, he was a role model to kids, he was the, the icon you wanted to grow up to be and he was the face of wrestling and up until probably the likes of The Rock, John Cena, so he was the, great, the biggest, the greatest of them all, he was the guy and he's always stood the test of time. I know like some people have got their issues on, but if we can look past that and look into what he actually did for wrestling, it's kinda hard to argue. But as I said, if they asked me today it, it wouldn't be my pick. It changes all the time, I'm terrible for it. My last one um, with Scott here, John Cena. John Cena carried WWE when wrestling wasn't cool. When wrestling was, oh, you, you watch that last really daft, that's stupid, it's all fake, blah blah blah. He kept that company going and he managed to work with the likes of Randy Orton and Brock Lesnar and so forth to keep developing. And his character's changed slightly, not too much. He's a, the Dr. Thugonomics, then he went on to respect loyalty hustle. You know, he kept it going. Uh, but also the fact that you're talking about there, some of the, the matches, he is very heavily underrated. And also, he was the only guy who's prepared to take Suplex City. Randy Orton originally wasn't prepared to do it, neither was Triple H, he said I'll take it. And that's he took that beating off a of Brock Lesnar. We all know wrestling hurts, but fair play to the guy and that's why he made my list today. So that's my list. Now, going around everyone's picks, everyone except for Steven has picked The Rock. Are we putting The Rock in or is Steven going to swing for the rafters here and say no? I'm not going to argue against The Rock. It's, uh, I was swaying on the rock to be fair I wasn't a rock there was a couple of ones that I was very close to putting in and they have all been mentioned by the guys in the panel mm. so what they said about the rock you just said about the rock is perfectly accurate for what he's done you mm. know what he's done outside of wrestling the way he went from the Rocky Maivia point to become arguably the greatest the, one of the greatest of all time the best thing actually about the rock was the point where Austin broke his neck and he was out for the year the Survivor Series 99 see if that happened during John Cena's time and John Cena had something that had to take him out for so long you'd find it hard to find somebody who could fit in seamlessly seamlessly so uh, but The Rock that wasn't seamless <laughs> <laughs> but, but The Rock The Rock came in and arguably took Austin's place mm-hmm. and he didn't even I was picking Austin fans arm I barely noticed him was away <laughs> I'm not really showing myself to be a great fan here. I wouldn't argue against The Rock. I would argue against The Rock if it meant Austin didn't go in. Because, Austin, because Austin's my top choice. So you do you know. think he should go in? What? Rock? Yeah. yeah but it th- doesn't matter if you <laughs> <laughs> Well played. Well, let's just spin it around then. Does anyone get any say that Austin shouldn't go in? We see, I've kind of flip flopped a bit with Austin a bit because now that the because the you two have mentioned it before, it was John Cena. You know, he was mother choice as well that could have gone in. And you know, as much as like Austin was the face of the Attitude Era, and we all wanted to be that that sort of rebellious character that he was, 
John Cena is the guy who carries himself as the ideal role model. Yes, you say that, but you got to look at the fucking times. John Cena was there when there was arguably no set competition and there was nothing really against it. Stone Cold came in and he transformed an industry. He came in and his popularity was immense. He, True, but he didn't win the Monday Night War. <laughs> <laughs> we all know who won the Monday Night War. And it wasn't even mentioned by any of us. Well, it has been mentioned, mm. but we'll bring it up later on we keep going in the discussion. But, really? <laughs> yeah. But The Rock was mentioned. He was part of that. Yes, The Rock put him over. So, really. The Rock put him over, and so yeah. did Shawn Michaels. And I will say this about John Cena as well. He was also one who sort of transformed with the times as well. So, he always stayed relevant as one of WWE's key players. Uh, I think Cena's a great shout, but it's hard when there's only four places. The thing with The Rock is, I, I don't, I'm not arguing that Austin shouldn't go in. It's just that I don't, get, I don't like the idea that he can be only Austin or Rock, and it can't be both of them. So I heard a quote, I can't remember who said it first, but I really agree with this. When it comes to Austin and Rock, it said Austin brought new fans in, but it was the Rock that kept them there after mm-hmm. Austin went away. Well, yeah, because a lot of the Rock's quote, quote, uh, scenes, sorry, are still part of our daily speech. Like you're talking about Ric Flair, there, David Bourbou. Like, you've just went and done the Rock's line <laughs> against Steven. You know, how many times have we had banter and the chance and then somebody said, I'm going to smack down on you? A flagship show is named after. Exactly, the number two show in wrestling. I mean, have any of us said, like, uh, I'm a. Like, that's the bottom line because I said so, or, like, I'm going to open up a kind of wood pass on you? Or, what? what? Yeah. To be honest, that's the only real sort of thing I think. Oh, no, it's the watch chance, yeah. No, Austin's not going in just for that bloody watch chance. I've turned against them now. Theoretically, if we put the two of them, if we put the two of them in, then what happens with the other two places? In theory. Well, then we argue that's why we're here. Yeah, but I think Quackers kind of mentioned somebody that I think, based on his argument, I think is actually a pretty solid show. Vince McMahon? Yeah. Because think about it, all this that were going on, who was all around it? Who was in the centre of the art? Who was in the yeah. centre? Who was propping them up? Who was putting it up? Nash, who was who was doing absolutely everything in the mm-hmm. wrestling industry to get it to where it is now? Man who is willing to take constant ass weapons from Austin yeah. to help get Austin over. At the end of last week's show, it was just Quack and I in the studio, and Quack and I rough quickly spoke about what we're going to do for today and Quacky mentioned McMahon and I said no he's not a wrestler and then Quacky started to talk about it it's exceptionally difficult to argue against him mm-hmm. I mean he isn't a wrestler but none of that should be here without him but he's, he, his points are really great on that when you look at what uh, Austin, uh, no, sorry, Austin, too much talking about Austin McMahon did in the 80s when he started buying up all these territories mm-hmm. and it's like why is he doing that I mean everybody has their own areas but he wanted to make this something so much bigger <laughs> and he's arguably done that I mean when we talk about Austin in the Attitude Era Vince was the one who fought outside the box and thought I'm losing this I need to do something different <laughs> and he did that and as much as he gets criticism to even till to this very point in time when we're talking about NXT <laughs> going to two hours going to USA and Vince potentially coming in and taking it over he's still got the capability of doing something well, absolutely. Like, we're all, a lot of the fans are very negative on just because obviously the Raw and SmackDown pros haven't been that great for a long time. No. And people feel he's lost his way. During the Attitude Era, he was going through the same way, and it was you know, the people backstage like Austin, Raw, Triple H, when he kind of started, and then he started listening to like Briscoe, Parsons, and they're like, you need to get that outsider. One, one of my things I find in recent times that's a great stroke from him is when, see when Braun Strowman first came in? Mm. 
nope, they gave Braun Strowman hope and help. And then when Braun Strowman was feuding with Roman Reigns, and he had that, when he started getting that push, and he became pretty much most popular guy in the roster. Who was the only guy who wanted to push him? Vince. Vince. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just about to say, it was by listening to everyone back then, and again, it was desperation, I suppose, why he did it. Put Foley over the rock, and that's what ended the Monday Night Wars. That was it. You know, and maybe we're coming to that time. Maybe this time it's going to be Triple H is going to have to sit down and go, like, if you mess this up, we're done at AEW, will eat us alive on Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. Every, everything he did in the 80s in terms of buying the territories mm-hmm. and starting WrestleMania, we wouldn't probably have anything that happened after that. Ted Turner wouldn't have bought WCW. We might not have had the Wednesday Night Wars, you know. Paul Heyman may have not started up his, uh, ECW, yeah. yeah. ECW to where it was, you know. See, I know a lot, like, of my, a lot of people might see Vince's business practice as somewhat maybe unethical and almost like a very sort of aggressive style, but you can't really argue if it works for him and he actually built an empire as a result of it. Actually, Sigon, you quite both laugh, but you're taking the term a bit too literal. Like, see people that are really successful in business are psychopaths, they don't care how they put people out of business, they want the business, they want to win it. I mean, that's why I've, I've asked previously before, who's the world's most famous psychopath? The answer is the US President, Donald Trump. Trump bought people there's out. Donald Trump there blocking us. <laughs> no, no, but, 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 but yes, he's admitted it. You know, Donald Trump would you know liquidate companies and for a profit, and he would put buy companies out and he would put people out of homes and stuff like that to make his business work. And that's what you need, and that's what most CEOs are. Right. They have that psychopathic trait, which is what McMahon has, which is why he's been so successful. The one, the one thing you would say, we talked about China. And we talked about China's what happened after wrestling. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of the stuff that's going on that's happened during Vince's tenure as well, and the likes of the steroid scandal and that type of stuff mm-hmm. as well. Would that kind of take things, or would you kind of take that out of consideration? Mm-hmm. I, to be honest, I don't even think about it until it's brought. Mm-hmm. Because I don't. It's it, not one of those things that's plagued his, his career. Like when you think about it, you know, I mean, sure, yeah, it was a probably one of the worst times well, of his entire not. life. But it played it played WWE in the night in the mid nineties. That's uh, when that's yeah. when Hogan left WCW. It, Maybe, started to rise. Maybe know? it was just a generational thing because, like, maybe when we all started to watch, was the first thing we thought about when we heard Vince McMahon was, oh yeah, he was indicted for this steroid trial. No, no, exactly. So we will focus on like the on the more positive aspects on him, the fact he built this empire from the ground and he's still going with it I think today. A, I think he's a solid one. The first name. Yeah, I think. Like part of the reason he's some people say he's out of touch, he may be a bit stubborn and like not want to change certain things about his presentation is because his way of doing things got him to where they are now. That helped them buy yeah, out the territories and then beat WCW and East Side. Vicious like Stockholm stuff. I know, like yeah. and sometimes you talk about how he put people out of business. Like it's a thing with business, sometimes you need to make enemies. Well the competition's healthy. There's a thing yeah. they say it was quoted in his feud with Hogan in two thousand and three, which is probably the best example of getting them on, is like I made Hulkamania. Mm-hmm. So if he made Hulkamania, he should be on that. I think he's. A, I think he should be first name on that. I think he should be Thank the first name. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, okay, so we've got two there. Boys, what do you think? I definitely think yeah. Vince should be there. Case argued, yeah. Vincent Kennedy McMahon is the first name on the Mount Rushmore. There's something I never thought I'd be saying, but there we go. Knowing, knowing Vince, if he had to design his own Mount Rushmore, he would put himself on it. I look forward. And then followed by Shane, the From best each generation. Old. 
Vince in the 80s, Vince in the 90s, Vince in the 90s, Vince in the 20s. Oh, I'm a new for Vince McMahon. <laughs> I'll be like when he was using that top baller to pull in Robin Reigns' number in the Royal Rumble, uh, and it was all once, he'll be Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon. See, if you don't one thing, none of us mentioned him. He actually was a very good commentator as well. I'll disagree with you on that one, but alright. <laughs> Wow, okay. Anyway, I can retire in my cases. So basically, we went to have a discussion about The Rock versus Austin, who should win. Neither one's been mentioned. I've just flung a pen, sorry. <laughs> Vincent Manson. So, yeah, are we going to go back to Rock Austin? Let's can go. both of them be in, or is one of them got to take the hat? Well, I put both of them in. No, I put both of them in. I also said both, but I'm going to let one of them take a hit. I think for the names that are left, one of them has to take a hit because yep. the names. I think it's fair to say that it's either going to be one. Or it's either if it's going to be one, it's going to be Rock based on what everybody said. Yeah, I, 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 I would pick Rock over Austin. I would, which my personal. I think I would just Rock as well. The Austin one, if you had to pick one, but I would maybe say we should put Rock down and then maybe not rule out Austin completely. Can point. I just say, although I put both in. If you're going to put one on the chopping block, then I would actually say I'll put the rock on the chopping block. Right, okay. So, mm-hmm. oh yes! So we've Stone Cold, we've got Stone Cold. The rock. 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 So I've got the swing. Yeah, and we know how much of a big rock fan you are. I'm, go- I'm going with the great one, so... I don't think we should, at this point, rule out... I agree, he's not ruled... No, 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 absolutely, yeah. Right, I'm he's not ruled out, he's just not in yet. Yes. Right, so, the rock is the second man in. So this is where things get messy. The names that are left. So this but I'm just going to mention some of the names that's been mentioned by some of the listeners and some people on social media. So I just want to give a few shouts independently to Harry Revel Jackson who said Triple H, Shawn Michael, Undertaker, Edge. Thought it was quite a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got here uh, Rob Carter who said Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mick Foley, The Undertaker and Bret Hart. Okay. Mm. Also, um, some other names have been called out as well. So We've got here, and I, now I want to see if anyone knows because I had to look at this guy up, I didn't, I've not heard him. George Hackenschmidt. No. <laughs> I, I've heard the name before, not overly remember it. So, somebody said Luffy. Is there something like that? <laughs> right. Okay, uh, one of my good friends, uh, Paul Millen, he actually said Rowdy Roddy Piper and Andre the Giant. He's the only person who said Andre the Giant. And Roddy Piper so far. Yeah. Yeah. Good names. Good names. We've also got here, there are some names that I wouldn't personally put in just now, but they have been mentioned quite often. We've got uh, Daniel Bryan, Kenny Omega, Antonio Inoki. Sorry, Zach I thought you were saying Daniel Bryan messaged in. I was like, do you think I'd put this camera if Daniel Bryan messaged in? So, I get all very good wrestlers, but I think not just now, maybe mm. 10, 20 years' time. Maybe, all, yeah. Arguably, the Mount Rushmore present day wrestling. I think I'm going to show you, Kenny, I think we need to take some time with him because. I think some people get put off because of the fact he gets all these like six star and six and a half star and yeah. some people people's opinions vary on the whole star system at the moment okay. with AEW coming up as well I think this will give him a bit more exposure mm. yeah well, Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson will be the Mount Rushworth independent yeah, <laughs> probably now this one I guess. this next name I would have in it today but as I said my after rocking us I change every day I'm terrible Chris Jericho Oh. Oh. I nearly had him in this because of the He was borderline. Because of the reinvention thing. I, I, I Jer- swing every Jer- day. Jericho to me is great, but he's a victim of the other names around him. <sighs> okay, I, right, but, well, explain that point because I've never heard anyone talk about Jericho in that aspect. Explain your point. It's just more that he's great, but he's not top four, in my opinion. 
mean, granted, he is good. He is really, really good, but. Like I love how you're looking at me like that, but you don't even picture. Just to put it in perspective, my other two today would have been uh, Jericho and Triple H. I know that might change all the time. See, Triple H is one. The other name. See, I thought Foley as well, but again, Foley, I thought similar to Jericho. He's great, but he's not. Terry Funk was another name that was mentioned. Um, another one here. Terry Funk would be great if the Mount Rushmore were never retiring. <laughs> That's all I'm going to Right now, especially just after his death, Harley Race. He's been a big shout as well. Eight time NWA champions. There's so many names. It's just, yeah. a, it's just the fact that obviously from the wrestling industry has been a predominantly sort of male featured environment. So the fact you've got so many huge names, it, you can't really sort of pick and choose. Like, yeah. or, it's, or it's much more difficult to pick and choose. Well, what I thought was another great one example came out was actually Derek Kelly from this podcast. He put out Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Ultimate Warrior. Ooh. He was the only person who mentioned yeah. anything on social media for Macho Man and Ultimate He's Warrior. He's the only guy who said Macho Man. Only one I've not seen, nobody Derek. has, but what I've seen. Derek's really one. flying the flag for liberation there. With he those really things. is. <laughs> I mean, like, we could go on and I mean, on all day. You, you know, you've. Your problem. There's more you can think of. You know, you've got. The list goes on and on. Sean, Bob, Sean Michaels has been briefly mentioned. Yeah, we, we mentioned Bret Hart and not one of the other, but I can't believe he's not mentioned because him and Sean we mentioned the steroid scandal. Mm-hmm. They two really got their opportunity in the main event scene because of the fallout of the steroid scandal because they were looking for people who were big mm-hmm. and and people who were talented but didn't weren't didn't show clear signs of steroid mm-hmm. use. And these two like really start to shine. What did they have next? Bigger than their legs. Dusty Rhodes is all I've seen. Oh, Dusty Rhodes as well. Dusty Rhodes is a great one for. This is so difficult now. Thank you. I've been waiting for somebody to say. Rayhan, who I work with, now he's also a big wrestling fan. When I asked him this question, he's the only person that has mentioned Sting, and I was flabbergasted. And he said it because it never crossed my mind. And you think that guy carried WCW? He was the main. Uh, he was the main thought yes. in Vince McMahon's But arguably, if what you've heard, what what like some Bischoff has said is true, it's Sting's fault that they didn't kill off WWE with that Starcade match. Because he said Sting showed up kind of out of shape, and he yeah, they've been training. He looked an absolute mess. That's why they did the finish the way it did. You know, if, they, if that finish it went the way it went the way people wanted it to be. We would be talking about Vince McMahon, not with Eric Bischoff on that. It's easy to say could have, would have, should have, and all that. It's the same Evan, you know, it's the same. Exactly. But we've got to judge about it. Another reason, again, to put Sting in, he carried TNA. Sting's a good one if you want it, because he's never had any success, really, in WWE. All his success came out with it. Right, in fair, two matches. Two matches, you know. And he practically almost broke his neck in one of them. Yeah. Not entirely his fault. Yeah, that's such a shame. He's actually got a 0% record in WWE. I think that's what lets him down a bit, though. It's the fact that, you know, he never really got a chance to shine on the the big promotion, like, in terms of just size. But 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 you're right, he did carry WCW. He did, he was a leading figure in TNA, and you can't really... he chose not to come to WWE until that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, he carried those other promotions himself. He was the guy that people would think of. See, see the thing is, I was mentioning, I would love Austin to be on it. I genuinely don't think we could have this without Taker. Yeah, agreed. The only reason I don't have Taker in it, right? and I said, that's today, it'll probably, it'll probably end tomorrow, it changes all the time with me, right? I'm terrible for it. Taker was never the guy. He was one of the guys, but he was never the guy. At some point, Austin was the guy, Rock was the guy, 
Cena, three Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, three decades. Yeah. He, he of course not. With the same, with the same gimmick as well. He was a guy. Can I be the first to think of logistics, Stevie? Could your Bell's Hall contractors uh, construct the hat? Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Undertaker got stuck in this weird pattern for a while. Because it seemed that every new big guy that Vince was fascinated in, uh, their main proving desk was go up against Taker. Mm-hmm. Although Taker was a big guy himself, so obviously, more than not, the matches were not very good. The guy has been WWE loyal since 1990. He's kept. well done. <laughs> he's captivated audiences every time he steps out, whether he was like. The, the dead man or the American badass. So he, he's adaptive, he's quick, he's agile, but he's also strong, powerful, and he has that commanding presence. He's a locker room leader. Uh, and he's one of those names that as soon as you say it, like even a non-wrestling fan would say, yeah, I've heard of him before. Right, so let me just play devil's advocate very quickly. Has him not retired and destroyed his legacy? Or is destroying his legacy? No, I, people thought at WrestleMania we lost the reins. That was it. That was the time to go. And there's a meme that shows like a kid, 99. Yeah. Yay. 20, when he'd lost the reins, thank you. And then it's like 2019. What the F? <laughs> you know what? Like, well, is it destroying his legacy? No, I think it's because it's the, you know, they've also got that that big 10 year deal with Saudi Arabia as well. They're always asking him to come back. And it's out of loyalty that he's doing that for them because <laughs> his he's. His lifetime contract. Yeah, his lifetime contract now. And. Have you seen like his 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 returns recently to Raw, like after WrestleMania for Extreme Rules? Has he not got a huge pop every time he appeared? There's no dispute in that. There's absolutely no dispute. Like, in so that. it's not like people are getting sick of seeing him. I think it's the fact that people are accepting the fact that he's now a special attraction. As much as I think he should retire, he's, he's got to be. He's got yeah. to be just because well, just because of the gimmick. Let's let's break this down. We need to get we need to get the third name in. So take him or put it out there. Quacko, yes or no? Uh, here in the arguments, I'll probably say yes. We know your point, Steve. Yes. 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 Takers in. There we go. There we go. So the Undertaker is the third man. It's one of the things like so. WrestleMania is one of the biggest shows in wrestling, and his streak made him a key part of that. So therefore, yes. he yeah, we didn't even mention the streak. Yeah. So the fact that people are getting kind of sad to see him, and now the more he appears, I think it's mainly because he's built up such a fan. Like he's such a special place in a lot of fans' eyes. They don't want to see him tarnish his legacy. Right. So here we go, we're going to have to go fast and hard on this one. Dave, Dave's favourite. <laughs> so, we get one name left and it's the hardest argument in wrestling. Who's the last man? Just to put spitball on there. Stone Cold, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Dusty Rhodes, Roddy Piper, Andre the Giant, Rey Mysterio. John Cena. John Cena. None of these Sucks. guys are in yet. Who is going to be the fourth? Who's in? John Cena. Shawn Michaels. Don't go Steve Austin. Quacker. Ray Bisterio. And just to make it Hulk Hogan. Right. I'm like, we talk about it, we see this phrase a lot, but Shawn Michaels was ahead of his time with his in-ring style. A lot of the moves that a lot of guys, are, the style that they're using today, like when they started on the knees and now it's been implemented in WWE through NXT and now in the main roster, the guys like Seth Rollins. And like, I think it sounds like Adam Cole's very much like Shawn Michaels. Uh, because a lot of people were inspired by someone like Shawn Michaels. I think his influence is still being shown well, let's, today. Let's just stick this up there, Matt. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, that should be it. If we can't agree, then Vissera goes... Right, well, come on. And I said this after WrestleMania. I think for, for character-wise, he is the greatest ever. Triple H, 
mm. Triple H mm. is the best guy to heal over. He's a phenomenal face, he has phenomenal matches, he knows wrestling inside out, and what he's done with NXT is out of this world, and he is the natural successor to WWE. Um, Anyone going to argue that? Can I argue uh, for John Cena? Please. Well, is your counter-argument okay? Alright, well, there's no denying what Triple H did for, like, you know, as a character, he could do the heel or the face great, and what he's done for NXT, obviously, like, absolutely brilliant. I just feel like it's another case of, like, he's not the top four when so it like, comes to... So, like, the point I was saying about take, I felt a bit taker, like, you yeah. about Steven and Jericho. It's just, nice for me, personally, there's just a few guys that are just above him. Can I suggest something if we can't decide this? We go for a second choice based on the five we've said. Can you no, this is what we're debating about. This is what we're going to find out who's going on. The thing about Triple H is he clearly had the potential in his first few years to be a top guy. But there's always some missing. I think he wouldn't have gotten to the level he eventually got to if it wasn't for Mick Foley. Because when he was in DX, he got laddled by being the guy next to Shawn Michaels who was still in the main event. When he was in DX, he was still being outshined by The Rock and Austin. Even when he got the title, he, kept, he, he didn't feel like the guy yet. It wasn't until he switched with Mick Foley that he became See, the guy. If we were going to go, if we were going to go names... That we've not talked about. I would say, I would say Foley for two reasons. The one you talked about, mm-hmm. and Hell in a Cell. Okay. Do we got any arguments to go against that? Well, is, there two, is there two more memorable moments in wrestling? Well, yeah, but yeah, but that's again, the thing. I think Mick Foley. You could kind of, think for Undertaker. You could say the same for Lita. You know, he was like he was the guy that would always do the big spots, like Shoot. when nobody else would do it. But then again, the thing with Hell in a Cell is a lot of people have a weird expectation of a certain style match because of things like what McFuller did. Like he said, his match with Triple H, they did like 50 minutes around before going outside and he said he could feel the crowd. They didn't care. They wanted to see him go up top because of what happened last time. McFuller's just a spot guy for me. I'm, I'm sorry, I have to say it. But he put the bums on seats. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, right, okay, well, we've been talking about what was Stone Cold. Is Stone, we were all swaying. Uh, yeah. Did Stone Cold make the last one? Stone Cold was actually swearing. my first choice, but... Now that's now that you've now that we've mentioned John Cena and the fact that he's had you've mentioned John Cena. well, well that John Cena's been brought up. Yeah, it got be Austin. I've, I've been swayed from Austin to Cena. Right. Can I say okay? Although I said Rey Mysterio, I think my second choice, uh, like in who we've if we're gonna bring this up, it's got to be Austin for me. It's got right. to be Austin. So basically, we're talking between Austin and Cena here. Yeah. I guess so. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you've picked Austin. Go go Austin for his impact. Cena. I'm gonna go Cena. So Austin, yeah. I don't think Austin would, be, would have been what he was without <sighs> Vince McMahon, who we've already mentioned. How long have we got left? <laughs> uh, oh, not enough time. Oh, that's a toughie. Um, we can't have a Mount we, 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 we can't have a Mount Rushmore with three heads. Should we have? <laughs> should we have thirty seconds to convince you? Right, that's a good point. Thirty seconds between you to go. Right, so we'll start with Stone Cold first. Give me a reason why. Because why not? <laughs> Greatest. They talk about Mick Foley putting the ass on the seat, the pop that Austin got there. Absolutely amazing, you know. Just the impact they had, and you know. I know I've said you can't have one about the other, but him and Rock up there together. And you'll probably find that John Cena will say that he had a lot of inspiration within Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. What? S- Cena was in a, Cena was the big, the big man in the era. What? Nothing happened. What? You know. Okay. Austin, compelling, Austin. compelling, quick arguments there. Austin flipped it. Yeah. Guys, it's down to you. Convince me to pick Cena over. Well, John Cena, he's been the company's go-to guy for the better part of almost two decades now. He's adapted with the times. He's been the guy 
who not only could you know deliver inside the ring both in terms of promos but also arguably matches despite everybody you know giving him a lot of criticism he's the guy who made like a record number of Make-A-Wishes for the Make-A-Wish Foundation he's starred in movies he starred so awesome <sighs> He's also been better in movies. Right, okay. Short your point. I have two points. I'm trying to think of points we haven't mentioned. Two points. In 2015, Cena almost single-handedly saved the United States title after years of it being mishandled and pushed further down the car. And two, we talked, we've talked about him before. AJ Styles, probably one of the greatest of all time. And yet, he had better matches with John Cena than he had against Ricochet and Shinsuke Nakamura. Ooh. I don't think I'm the most hated man in the wrestling community. I want to pick somebody. I think based on the arguments I've heard, I'm going Stone Cold. Oh hell yeah! It's like a 51-49 split. I'm going Stone Cold. Can I add both of them in my pick for today? So yeah, I'm, I'm not even mad. That was actually that was Austin would be my second choice. So there we go. So just to clarify, our final Mount Rushmore for the men. Vince McMahon, The Rock, Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's the attitude here. Also, two of them are part of the PG era as well. And then, don't forget the female one. We've got Charlotte Flair, Trish Stratus, China, and Mae Young. I think it's a strong lineup, regardless. I think it's, a, it's almost an impossible task to pick. I think we've done a really good job. When so, are you going to get your. Uh, hammer and chisel out. Shit, <laughs> right after the show, mate, I've got it in the book. Yeah. <laughs> and don't anyway, know what you're doing the weekend. <laughs> and it's not going to melt the camp, he's got the Glenn for days. <laughs> well, that's, that's our a spot. Look at the view you'll get. <laughs> are, you, plus, are you speaking from experience? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, well, I just want to say thank you very much to our panel. Quack your Jay. Thank you. Stephen Wilson. Thank you very much. Been fun. David Hawking. Thank you. Scott McLeod. Thank you. I have been the big dog, Alan McLucas. Look forward to next week as we're doing the history of tables, ladders and chairs. Cannot wait. Thanks very much. See you later. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d- tips you know what you should be doing you should be going online you should be subscribing you should be listening to the back catalogue of eat sleep suplex retweet whatever the fuck you're doing that's what you should be doing i don't care if it's your mum's birthday i don't care if she's feeling contractions get on it right now sports social podcast network